Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Revenue Operations and ABM Alignment. Today we have Ivan to talk to you about IT, data, integrations, all of those engines that sit on top of that go-to-market um, machine and go-to-market engines that you're having. Hey Ivan, nice to Thanks for see having you me, Romeo. Sure, man, sure. So Ivan, let's dive into it because there are a lot of things to discuss when it comes to all this um, data, the, the, the brain behind the go-to-market. And this is something new in our podcast because it's, um, let's say, a heavy to digest type of a topic, right? So let's try to make it as simple as possible. Ivan, tell us a little bit about you and then let's dive into the problem and why we need to solve this problem. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I started uh, off in linguistics, then a marketing agency, and then social listening consulting for enterprise, then analytics consulting, and then an AI company that analyzed television shows, um, and then Convoy growth, uh, digital marketing, and then Airwallex growth marketing, and then now here at Syncery. So been through a couple of unicorns, been through a lot of different, um, you know, working with CMOs, working with heads of data, working with um, heads of IT, um, and just selling and marketing products. Uh, a lot of consulting on the side as well. Um, do a lot of ABM here at Syncery and have in the past. Um, and there's there's no shortage of links between um, the need for uh, tracking and uh, executing against a specific set of accounts like in ABM and the need for systems, multiple systems to be in alignment and be in sync. Not even just marketing automation and CRM. We can get into a bit how ABM is really a full funnel, um, a full customer journey uh, discipline as well. So w w when it comes to this, this, this whole problem of, data in RevOps. Everybody's talking about this. I know that at Inbound last year, the theme of the conference was uh, connecting the customers, right? Like, because HubSpot having so many portals out there installed in different B2B companies, they saw this, this, this disconnect, yeah? Like a disconnect between what we are doing in our tech bubble of, of RevOps people or ABMs or marketeers and what the customers experience, right? So there was a discrepancy there. Let's go back a little bit. I, I'm, I'm a major of uh, history and geopolitics. So I like to go back in the history and, and first understand how did we get here and why did we get here? Can we um, open that topic even? What do you think? How did we yeah, get yeah. here that we are so disconnected to, to the customers and we have such a data yeah. issue here? That's a great um, starting point, Romeo. It's also a very, very thick one. You could probably write a book about how, well, and let's narrow it to B2B, right? Um, B2B businesses, whether that's a, a service business or a software business. Um, they have a lot of similarities because generally they rely on sales conversations, right? In order to sell a product. Now, self-service and PLG are great motions, 
Um, it's worth noting that if you follow um, peer uh, peer signals research, they have the key play it on IO product. Um, uh, they do a lot of great research on PLG companies, and they're showing that even PLG companies are reintroducing sales teams um, because ultimately to get sticky with a customer and, and ensure that customer experience is managed and optimized and get a good feedback loop going, you need humans to talk to humans. That's just the best way to do it. We can talk about that in a bit, but but that has been the... I think there are two um, unique factors to B2B companies and why the tech has had such a hard time helping, <laughs> helping humans uh, sell to businesses, market to businesses and serve businesses. It's one is that you need to track conversations, right? So the entire Salesforce uh, opportunity pipeline is essentially around meetings and qualification stages that you learn from those meetings, right? Um, the uh, the other factor is the relationship between where Romeo works uh, and Romeo as a person, right? The mm. contact and the account, because you mm. bill, you know, you you bill a company. Right, you find the H. They have a billing address. Uh, you work with a finance team. They have a, a EID here in the United States, an employer identification number. Right, so you you send a request for money to that company, and that's how you get paid, whether whether it's digital or otherwise. But you work with individual people, so you may one day be talking to, in our case, the head of revenue operations. The next day, the the head of data. The next day, the head of IT. Why do we need another tool for this? You know, and then the CFO to get procurement legal, right? So you work with a lot of different people at a company. So early on, uh, Salesforce built a a model that essentially reflected um, uh, a an accounting software, mm. um, and that's why that's why the word account is used for company, right? Uh, mm. in Salesforce, whereas in HubSpot, it's a little more user-friendly. Like it just company, says company, yeah. right? Mm. And what happened uh, following that is um, they they then started helping a lot with the acquisition stage of the journey. So they created the lead object, right? So you have lead, contact, and account. And in and Salesforce's native... Something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, but it's not named prospect, right? It's named lead, right? Yeah. Uh, Talking about the object, right? Like literally how Salesforce database mm -hmm. is set up, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and a lead can't work at a company in Salesforce. Yeah. You have to, it has a company field, but that's not an actual entity. It's you're, you're hoping that they name it right or you name it right and um, all that stuff. So you have to do lead to account matching is an entire category of software that you mm -hmm. just have to introduce to make Salesforce work right, mm. right? Um, to get a lead to convert to a contact so that it's part of an account. And over the last 10 years, as we moved into demand generation and ABM, people like myself have wanted to do that from day one. We don't want a lead as its own thing anymore. We want contact on an account because we want to sell the companies because we're making lists of companies because that's better. And here's why, right? Lists of companies, they're everything. A company size buys completely differently, you know, like a 10-person a, a company 
has no procurement process. A hundred person company has a fledgling procurement process and a thousand person company has a very strict procurement process, right? So all of a sudden we're wanting to make shifts towards company targeting and Salesforce's entire basic data model, fundamental data model is fighting against us, right? Um, So that's one big pathway I think that we've all experienced firsthand, right? I mean, I know you work with a lot of companies on ABM. Am I, am I missing something here? Yeah, I think I think HubSpot realized this, right? And then they didn't think they didn't do this whole lead, like they didn't do the same um, architecture as uh, Salesforce, right? So, because Salesforce was at the beginning, then obviously they did this whole um, structure as they envisioned it. I suppose this was. They were the pioneers of the whole cloud uh, CRM uh, movement. So, yeah, it's 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 yeah. clear that this is something that uh, later on was um, was bun- done differently by the others. Okay, so we mm-hmm. have this um, this this direction um, and th- this this big issue with different companies actually or different uh, systems having thinking of data differently so this is one of the one of the issues that uh, that we see here and uh, at the end of the day what we want as marketeers and revops is to be relevant to our clients whatever the however the data is is structured so when we think about um, RevOps and ABM, let's dive deep more into why this whole um, data sets and IT part of, uh, of a B2B uh, organization is important. Because, and also when, when should we include it? Because if I'm in a growing stage, I suppose I'm not really uh, interested in, um, you know, um, having everything set up uh, correctly in the data. And this is what we saw with many companies that they were doing. And now we are trying to fix those problems because in the growing stage, they didn't care about the data sets. And the rotation in the companies were so, uh, so big that Everybody was just looking at their KPIs and they wanted to hit their quotas. So who cares about the data? And now we are in this mess, right? When the company started to grow, we want to be more productive, right? The microeconomics uh, situation is here. The growth rates are not happening. Uh, so now we look at the data and we like, okay, so what can we squeeze out of this whole CRM, how can we do it better? So how can we solve it? How can we solve this this yeah, uh, yeah. mess that we created? There's a lot of great questions baked into what you were laying out there, Romeo. And I think to to an early stage founder or marketer, what I would say is you need to make sure your systems have data that that shows you where you fail because you will fail and you want to fail fast. And I'll talk about that in a second. And to scale up in larger companies, you need to make sure your systems have the data that allow you 
to understand um, how you pivot, how you can pivot and where you should pivot and focus. Um, and so there, and there's some distinctions we'll need to make to get, get through this, but for the early stage founder and marketer, um, it's all about experimentation and your, your gross KPIs, your average conversion rates, your, you know, um, total CAC, all that stuff is helpful for the boardroom, but it's not helpful for you. It's not helpful for you to build a healthy business because to build a healthy business, you need to know very narrow core segments and how they behave through the entire customer journey. For instance, yeah. you might have really low CAC with a certain company size in a certain industry, but they have really low LTV. So, mm. you know, is it really worth spending a lot, you know, focusing on them or are you only going to build a flash in the pan short-term business? That's not what you want. You want the who cares about the CAC as long as the LTV is amazing segment, right? And then you work on the CAC. You find the LTV that you want and you work backwards. And this is both a reporting problem, but it's also the, the Salesforce and Marketo, the HubSpot, um, Zendesk, all the, they need to know the, they need, let's, let's start with a, a simple field. They need to have an accurate domain. The, the URL for each company needs to be accurate and deduplicated and merged and unified across these systems so that like when I go to build an ad campaign or I go to load a sales navigator list then hand it off to an SDR or an AE, right? I know which companies I'm pulling from. Are they of the segment that we want to target right now, right? And that's what we call operational data. Whereas analytical data is like, hey, the, so the exec team or the monthly cadence, we can look at a dashboard. The operational data is so I can execute on a day-to-day -day basis. And this isn't that different from what you need to do at a larger company where you need to think about you know, the full funnel and how you're tracking attributes across it, right? So it's not just an industry field, right? That you need, you probably need your own list field, right? And this is normal to have in marketing automation and CRM, but why not also have it in Zendesk or Gainsight, right? And CS tooling so that teams can actually um, create feedback loops that um, everyone can look at. And, and a lot of people do this in the warehouse, but there are problems with that where, um, you know, it's, it, then leaves the source systems, the business applications that the frontline teams are using in shambles, kind of a mess, right? And so cleaning yeah. up the data over here doesn't really help me do my job well. It doesn't help the CS team do their job well. It doesn't I help. mean, it will give you some BI or some someone who does some kind of analysis for the business or for the boardroom, as you said, but um, it will not really help the the. The, the customer success manager who is trying to make sure that customer doesn't churn or they want to do cross-sell and upsell. And I believe the biggest issue that we find, that we see here, both for RevOps and ABM, is al alignment at the end of the day, right? Like, how, how do we create um, that system and how can IT and uh, the actual data help us have that alignment so let's have a let's have a scenario 
I'm a Series A company. I'm in growth mode. Obviously, all I think about is my GT emotions, right? Uh, all I I dream about is like those outbound emails to be opened and replied. Like that's what I care about, and I want those um, those uh, demos because demo. I, I I live on demos, right? Like each day, I'm asked about how many demos uh, did you book, right? Mm, and then you have the marketeers who is also trying to prove that you know this the money spent on uh, LinkedIn ads will bring uh, ROAS and will actually uh, grow the company. And the customer success guys are more into churn. They all care about the churn and to keep the customers. So everybody has different, let's say goals, different uh, um, directions in a way, right? But in the end, it's still revenue. Now, what should we do in terms of data and IT to help these folks align better and actually help them share the insights that they find in outbound the insights that you find at marketing level and the insights that you find at the CS level? Yeah, that's a great question. You, you in some ways, just described Syncery, so I can use my own experience to respond a little bit in terms of, um, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to like what's the business trying to do as a whole and mm-hmm. how does the GTM engine take part in that, align around that, and and systems are a big part of that alignment for two reasons. One, <laughs> a, a good instrumentation means that like I can call up lists and segments and and understand progress across certain verticals or certain target groups, right? Two, if I'm fighting against my systems all the time, right? If I'm updating wrong fields, removing duplicates, all that kind of stuff, if I'm, you know, trying to get new integrations in or if I'm buying tools because my other integrations are poorly set up, then um you know, I'll, I'll be pretty miserable and have very little time to actually execute on a business strategy. Um, a good example is I think a lot of people right now uh, in Syncery's shoes and in similar companies are moving away from selling just to high tech, right? Or, or primarily to high tech. We're looking at other industries that are more defensive in a, in a bit of a downturn, right? Like where are the companies that still are making money because they have a focus that isn't the Silicon Valley bubble, right? Um, and uh, as we've been executing against this, right? Like I produced um, quite a few lists and we tagged them and I'm able to see them reflected when I need to go build a list, when a salesperson needs to go build a list and we're able to pull them in reporting. Um, there's a, lo- a lot of people would just take that need. Hey, hey, GTM, can we go target this new vertical? They would just take that feedback loop and do, you know, the the dashboard, the BI stack, right? ETL out to a warehouse up to a dashboard, right? And again, the problem is that you need um, 
distributed truth. You need data in the frontline team's hands to execute on this in order to have good feedback loops. You, you know what most teams are doing, though, Romeo, instead of data in their systems? They're using Slack. And I'm not even mm-hmm. exaggerating, right? They are slacking each other. Hey, I had a conversation with this company. Oh, they're kind of like this company. Okay. And you know what that's doing? Bad sample sizes, right? One or two conversations does not equal signal. It's encouraging, but you need to go get 10, 20, 100 conversations to really build a business case around a strategy, right? But I've seen this so many places. Slack is beautiful, but it just created an easy text message tool that is work approved, right? Like it didn't actually give us better infrastructure. In fact, if anything, it's trained bad habits. Um, Mm. Yeah, we can get into that more, but but I see that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean... I'm also looking at the perspective of uh, the guy who is writing uh, on that Slack message, right? Like, I'm an SDR. I'm um, just recently graduated college, right? Um, I'm hungry of making a buck. Um, I joined this B2B SaaS company. They're trying to uh, push all these quotas on me and... All I need to do is have conversations. Why should I? What? Why should that be a problem that I write on Slack? Right? I mean, I, I'm talking to the guys uh, who are interested in our pro, uh, product. So, um, it it comes down to um, how do we educate those folks that have these behaviors, right? Because if we again we like our te- uh, tech bubble, right? Like we like to, to have those, uh, um, those challenges and those problems that we see in the system about data, about this and that. But at the end of the day, it's about that emotional part also that, that, that um, those actually goals that individuals and humans have. And the goal of an SDR is to make a buck and and, and reach their quota so they can get their uh, bonus, not to uh, make yeah. for you as an IT uh, some data sets, right? It's, that's absolutely it. And that was what I was going to say when you first phrased that question, right? Like, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of an SDR or an AE, Honestly, B2B tech infrastructure has failed sales teams, which is only really poetic and tragic because that's how B2B technology is sold, uh, is through sales teams. And so you'd think they would be prioritized. It's not that they're not prioritized, right? They're given 10, 20, 30 tools to log into, but that's the problem. They don't have time to log into 10, 20, 30 tools. Salesforce has an entire ecosystem of, you know, layers on top of it, widgets and plugins and things to make it work like it should. Now, the 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 problem has to be seen by the C-suite. Like it, it has to. It has to get C-suite buy-in. It has to be something that someone with authority over a go-to-market machine looks at and says, this is not set up efficiently. I was at, with a company where the CS team had to log into five different tools just to get full context on one ticket. So every time a ticket mm. comes in, 
right? They log into Zendesk, an internal tool. They're pinging people in Slack. They're pulling up their own Google Sheet um, and they're logging into Salesforce. So they're asking the sales rep to show something in Salesforce just before they reply. And you see in that instance how deeply the customer experience suffers, right? Because that's an hour that could have been five minutes, right? Now, in the salesperson's world, I think it's harder for us to envision that pain because um, what we're losing out is an opportunity cost, right? We're, we're paying an opportunity cost where an SDR is spending more time logging into tools and in meetings and using five different data enrichment things, right? Um, rather than executing we're losing out on the execution they could have had, that could have done, right? The detail or research they could have done to build better execution. Um, and so ultimately, I've, see, I've talked to a couple of sales teams who are making noise in their organizations like, hey, we need better infrastructure. Sometimes that's totally championed then by RevOps or business ops. And sometimes it's pushed back and, hey, no, our, our infrastructure is fine. It's your fault, Right. So there's a lot of cultural things that happen here, but ultimately either RevOps has to make the case or the GTM teams, marketing, sales, and CS have to make the case to leadership to say, you know, our, the data at our fingertips is insufficient. We would be a lot faster if I, I want people to envision a universe where they can in the go-to-market machine, where they log into one tool every day to do their job. That's not wow. a thing. It's not a thing, yeah. It's not a thing. And why is it not a thing? That is that is a really hard question to wrestle with. And why I can't think, it be a thing? I think because in, in, in a B2B buying journey, it's so complex and it's so many elements to it that um, this creates a bunch of different problems, right? And none of the um, tools or platform can solve all of those problems, right? This is like, that's why you have, uh, you know, one tool that is, you know, this connecting the dots is connecting the dots.com, which is essentially you are um, looking at the data that you have on your uh, CRM. If you're connected to those those guys, and if uh, on LinkedIn you might have some people that could connect you to this buyer, right? Like, and that's one problem, right? Like in, in ABM, if we think you want to map out the network of your uh, buying group in a targeted account list, yeah, and that's only one problem. And you have a tool to solve what, that one problem, right? And then you have another problem, which is attribution, right? A huge one. So, you know, mapping networking is... You're, you're right. And, and ABM, I, I think marketers will always have to work with many tools, partly because we work with um, media companies, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the ad platforms and websites. Like each of these is its own tool, its own interface, its own domain. I think what's interesting is the, um, I'm not suggesting that it's even possible, right, for a team to have their own core infrastructure, but it is interesting that even with first party data, right, customer data, um, it's so fragmented and it's so broken, right? You've got a marketing automation system with a different set of companies than what's in CRM, even with the same attributes. 
even the CRM typically has mismatched attributes where there's an opportunity on one record that isn't reflected elsewhere or you know different objects don't don't reflect what they should and then you've got a cs tool and, and here here's a great example of a lot of the band it so much of it is band-aids right as you're pointing out mm. we're building band-aid solutions because the core tools that were supposed to solve something aren't and i think this is especially true for marketers when we think about abm as a full funnel process right because Ideally, ABM delivers not just lower CAC, but it delivers stronger LTVs, better customers, which means we need to be tracking it all the way through the journey. How many tickets are they submitting? If we're a SaaS company, what are they doing in the product? But here's what a lot of SaaS companies do. They pipe out from the product to the data warehouse then they reflect the usage of the product in a bunch of rollups in a Looker dashboard. Typically, mm -hmm. what ha happens is they finally get to one table that the sales leader likes, and he sends the account information and usage information to the owning representative and says, hey, can you go talk to this company they haven't used in a while? Or, hey, can you go talk to this company? It looks like they're ready for this kind of upsell. That is a terrible workflow. This is the of best course, that so many companies uh, have. It's like um, Winning by Design was uh, talking about this culture of uh, superstar culture where you yeah. have this one sales reader or this one superstar who is directing the team, exactly as you said, that, uh, you know, they are just um, one person who who have the whole overview. And... The, the other culture is when you have processes, data, and everything is um, done with very clear OKRs, right? And, and that's very, very huge problem because uh, you have um, one person who is dictating how uh, and when you should actually do some go-to-market actions. But that those leaders change. So the problem comes when these leaders change. And then we have one and a half year of uh, retention um, as, a, as a CRO or as a VP of sales. Everybody comes with a different mindset and different type of ideas. So now you're having all the looker, as you said, set up but you don't have any type of uh, triggers and you don't have any kind of system that feedbacks all of your other databases because this was purely uh, based on the insights that that particular leader had, which means yeah. you are uh, on a thin ice because when that leader leaves, you know, everything it's fallen apart the other leader comes oh we i have experience with uh, bi let's do bi i have experience with tableau let's do tableau so each time you you reinvent the wheel now how do we solve this like how do we go and how how can actually uh Syncary or what you guys are trying to solve can solve this problem let's 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 dive into yeah. step by step what should we do 
because we understood the these behaviors that we need to avoid, right? Yeah. We need to avoid the the behaviors of the superstar culture, and we need to educate. Uh, this is two simple, you know, problems that and behaviors that we need to avoid. Now, tell us a bit, even how do we solve this? Yeah, we we talked a lot about yeah wastes of time. We talked about inaccurate data um, and superstar cultures and and how systems can't keep up with that. Um, I think honestly, the first thing and RevOps is perfectly set up in most companies to do this. The first thing that needs to happen is a map of the customer experience, um, and then you produce you mean the what we customer call customer journey, right? Exactly. Yeah, full mm-hmm. funnel, bow tie, uh, whatever you want to call it, right? Like end mm. to end, what's the life cycle of a customer? Um, and then that needs to map very directly to a customer data model, which means contact, company, opportunity or deal, um, ticket, billing account, right? What are the things you're going to need to track? The entities that are called in a data data model that you're going to need to track and work with to make that experience smooth, to make that journey um, as meaningful for the customer as possible. That's really important. And and here's here's the thing, Romeo, most companies and people don't, the, the, the tail is wagging the dog a bit. I just talked about this with Stephen McCloyd, referenced a few of his ideas here, but the tail is wagging the dog, meaning the technology is is forcing us to record the data in certain ways and do so. We talked about the Salesforce elite object. That's a great example, but there are many others. Zendesk doesn't even have a real company object, um, for instance. And that's forcing RevOps people to think very tactically about how they solve for that lack of an entity today, rather than strategically, how do I, what would my dream customer data model look like that reflects the reality of the customer journey? Um, there, we've we've written a bunch about this, the B2B customer data model. Um, but uh, once you have that, then you need to think about how do I actually make this a reality? What fields am I going to record on each of those entities? And how do I infuse those into the systems? How do I work with the systems as they are and govern the systems rather than let the systems govern what I do and, and the strategy we have? Exactly. Now, doing that is difficult and it does take work. Syncery helps because of patented data sync capabilities and schema listening, nerdy stuff, right? That allows you to <laughs> freely uh, and flexibly control your data across your systems. Syncery actually listens for changes, for instance, between marketing automation, CRM, CS, and ERP. So let's say a, a field on an account changes. Um, it will it will uh, update changes if you've told it to, right? If you built the logic uh, into the flows, it will update automatically in each of those systems, keep them in sync, right? Within minutes, one to five minutes typically. Um, And it will uh, uh, self-heal if one of those systems goes down. HubSpot to Salesforce connection went down a few months back for like a day and a half, you know, the devastating amount of time for, mission critical tool and Syncery customers are able to have that reinstate all the changes that should have happened during that downtime rather than a t- days of manual work. Um, so there's a lot that happens there in data quality, dedupe and merge. 
Seeker is the only way to deep duplicate and merge in every connected system um, that you have. And uh, like literally the only tool in the market that can do that. And that's just important basic stuff to set yourself up to then operate freely and with the control and strategy that, that you need. And um, what I'd say to RevOps people who are listening, who want to think about their customer data strategically is you need to build that framework, that customer journey, the customer data model, and then a plan for executing that vision and get IT and data to buy in. Data teams don't want to be typically don't want to be working on this. They want to be working on the warehouse and analytical models and dashboards. And that's not wrong. That's just where their skill sets are, where their strengths lie, where their, their incentives, their remit is. Whereas RevOps has to be concerned about this data infrastructure in the go-to-market because no one else is. No one. And if they yeah. don't, right, who's gonna? Yeah, I mean, uh, imagine that you are just starting an ABM campaign and you worked a lot to align the teams on your targeted account list, right? Then you worked a lot on choosing the right um, tactics, the right plays. Mm -hmm. Then you had, you know, you got budget from the board to run this ABM program. The RevOps is ready. You are doing your landing pages in HubSpot. You are doing all the email marketing. The ads are there. You connect it with uh, all the um, ad systems. And then you lose data or you have a bunch of duplicates and you don't send all the data to Salesforce. And then let's say that that happens though, but the customer success team picks, picks the, the clients up and now they need to do onboarding and they put the same questions that they had with your sales guys or the data that the sales guys filled in is not there. So I believe that if you do all these efforts of running ABM and you put all the RevOps people on top of that to support it and you don't do the, the IT and the data part to be in sync, you are basically doomed to fail if you don't close one or two really big customers, hmm. because if you close those, nobody cares that uh, data is the success over. hides a lot of failure. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, but if you don't have those customers, you need to get insights. Yeah. You need to get the data in place because you need to have conclusions. Right. You need to go out and say, OK, so how did we do on the marketing side? Is this what you guys did in sales? What about customer success? How did we roll out this ABM campaigns for this tal? So uh, what you're saying here and, and this just uh, I, I was just trying to to imagine this scenario without the data in place. I'm, I'm just trying to to imagine that meeting where we are sitting and it's like, Oh, fuck, but we don't have this data. Oh, yeah, but you guys saw something else. So mm. I believe We've that all been in those meetings, right? Yeah. Where everyone is arguing. No one yeah. agrees. Everyone has strong opinions. 
Everyone wants the data. So if we um, are trying to solve this and we have a tool like um, like Syncery, then tell me a bit, what is that one thing that, you know, it's a quick win when you start to start to you to use a tool like this right i don't i am this podcast is not about promoting syncery it's not a sponsored podcast but i'm just curious what is that one thing that you know you're going shbang it's solved hmm. and brings big roi yeah i mean there are a surprising number of sizable organizations, right? So if you're, you're listening to this, you're from a company that's 200 to 2000 people, let's say. You have a decent sized sales team and CS team, and they spend all day long trying to find the right account, the right contact. They're, they've got duplicates, they're not sure which is which. They they've even stopped taking notes because why bother? It's all a mess anyway. <laughs> That's a pretty devastating spot to be in. It's surprisingly common. Syncery, you know, you plug in a few systems, you run a global deduplicate and merge, and boom, you have clean data in all your tools. Um, that has a just a, a sense of trust that gets restored, right? Um, you can then pipe out all that clean data to a warehouse. You can visualize it in Syncery Insights. Um, you can then start to really use it and play with it. Because I've talked to companies that have entire teams dedicated to data cleansing and data integrity and data quality, right? Entire teams. Those are not fun jobs, right? No one wants to sit and, and clean up data in Salesforce all day long, right? That that needs to end. It's, you know, like forget about AI. We We should be replacing jobs that really are terrible that, you know, no one wants to stay in. Even if those people are stuck in that job, that's the best they could get. They're still not going to stay there long. Might even be rather working at Starbucks than cleaning up data in a CRM sitting in a laptop all day, <laughs> you know, depending on your personality. So I do think there's some big wins from just rebuilding trust in your basic fundamental data set in your business applications and being able to have freedom and flexibility for the first time. It's like a breath of fresh air for your tech stack, right? Which is not our homepage uh, quote, but could be. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I appreciate, we, we cover a lot of ground, Romeo. Um, I think the, the, the big thing I want people to take away is, is to think about that data strategy, not just the, the, the dashboards and the reporting, but the, the actual, like the tools at your fingertips how is the data that the CS rep on a Monday afternoon, or let's say a Monday night, it's it's midnight, and they're having to answer a ticket, and they had to go hunt for data, right? That's a. How do we avoid that? How do we build better tech stacks together? How do you build a comprehensive data strategy for your customer journey and your GTM engine? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one, because that's something that we all need to solve. Now, um, tell me even like when you learn about all this, um, because if, if I want to dive more into this topic, um, where should I go? What, what's the best, uh, place to, to learn about me as a RevOps, um, expert uh, specialists, 
whatever. Uh, I want to solve this problem for my organization. Uh, okay, Syncery is there as a, as a tool to use, but before even using Syncery, I suppose I need to have some kind of knowledge about what I'm trying to solve, right? And uh, what to, to, to even um, try to understand what are the problems in the organization because there are things that uh, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know that I yeah. don't know them. So, yeah, there's some great people to follow on LinkedIn who who do talk about the intersection of RevOps and data. Rosalind Santa Elena is one. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Q of Uberflip is another, um, and quite a few others as well. I think the um, there's lots of great operations partners and consulting groups that will gladly have a conversation that are pretty knowledgeable about this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Happy to rec- recommend some offline. Um, I think the the trick is a lot of the people in these roles who are tasked with being the infrastructure for go-to-market don't know about data modeling, data architecture, and data strategy. So mm. I will have to give a plug here for Syncery's newsletter. We write just really crisply about these subjects every week. We have 10,000, 11,000 people following. Mm. Um, it's on LinkedIn or you guys email have a newsletter. Also, right? We have a podcast where we sit mm-hmm. down with leaders and talk about this um, and, and a blog that covers a lot of different topics. But, you know, I think that um, you do have to be wary of vendors being a vendor. You have to be wary of vendors. You go talk to mm-hmm. most of our competitors and they will tell you a story that doesn't include a comprehensive data strategy for your business systems. It'll talk mm-hmm. about a warehouse and dashboarding or they'll talk about integrations that don't pay attention to data quality. And so... There is a savviness that you'll have to have being the infrastructure to support a go-to-market engine. And the bigger your go-to-market engine is, the, the more clever and wary you will have to be, right? Because people will be coming for your cash. Um, but yeah, those are a few resources. Um, I'm always up for a conversation as well. Um, yeah. So where can people find you other than the obvious LinkedIn you are in some communities or on... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should give a shout out to MoPros, RevOps Co-op. We have a customer data automation community. Um, there's a lot of different resources out there. I'm in all of those. The demand community from metadata.io. Mm-hmm. I'm a founding member there. And there's lots of great conversations around ABM and around um, data strategy occasionally. Um, yeah. yeah. That's great. So thanks a lot, Ivan. Uh, it was a great discussion and I hope um, people now are more aware about how we can solve this this problem of uh, connecting the customer better and connecting with the customer uh, via better data structures. Uh, and I um, really hope that we will um, maybe even do a, a, a webinar or something a little bit more uh, visual, uh, so that mm. we can understand better because this topic needs, uh, workflows, visuals. We need to understand how the data flows in, in, in a podcast is, is that much as you can, you know, try to make people aware. So they go out and they start to learn about this. But if we want to put solutions down, we, we need those, uh, slide decks or screen share or how you guys do it. So that would be great to to put something We'd together for the 
folks. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Romeo. Thanks, guys. And um, let's keep in touch. And take care.